Welcome to It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast. I'm your host, Elena Noel, certified NLP practitioner and CEO and author of Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace. Join me on this podcast for brain-based strategies, insights from guest leaders and coaches, and actionable solutions for your real-world leadership challenges. It has never been more challenging to be a leader, but it's hard to give better support to others if you're not receiving enough support yourself. I've helped thousands of leaders improve employee engagement, accountability, and results, and I'm here to support you in navigating today's challenges so you can enjoy being a leader while bringing out the best performance and fulfillment in your employees. My guest today is Jen Bulkowski. Jen is a certified coach on a mission to help leaders step into their confidence and find their authentic voice. She is the founder of Luma Collective, a leadership development firm focused on creating tailor-made experiences to develop leaders and healthy work cultures. Before founding her company, Jen spent 16 years in marketing, building global beauty brands. She leverages her unique experience to elevate leaders and cultivate healthy organizational cultures. Today, we'll be responding to one of our leader mailbox questions. It's a very relatable topic, and so we'll be starting with our Let's Get Curious segment with questions that we would use to start thinking about this challenge in a new way, and then we'll do a deeper dive on some of those components. If you would like to submit your leadership challenges and get some support from the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit your questions and challenges at it's hard to be a leader podcast.com. Okay, let's dive into the episode. Jen, welcome to the It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we, um, gosh, we met like how many years ago? Years now. Years. Years. Yes. And since then, you've gone on to your coaching journey. I think you were always very naturally an intuitive coach, but I know you've learned quite a bit along your way and now have a really successful business. Really thrilled to get your insights today. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and read our leader letter. Sounds good. All right. So one of my team members generally does great work, but they are not very detail oriented. I feel like I've addressed it so many times and they try to do better, but I'm still finding errors. I don't want to diminish the bigger picture and strategic work they do and the relationships they build, which is crucial to the role, but I feel like I can't trust them to send out important documents because of the careless errors. I don't want to take my time proofreading and fixing everything, but I feel like I have to, and that's both inefficient and frustrating. What else can I do? Do you want to share what was your first point of curiosity, your first question you would use if someone came to you with this challenge? My first question is, What's at the core of your concern? And the reason I like this question is because it's a chance to explore what's really bothering you as a leader. Is it the fact that you can't trust this person? Is it the fact that you've tried to address this and they're not listening? Is it the fact that it's impacting the business or you're worried it's going to look poorly on you as a leader? So I like this because it gets kind of to the depth of, okay, what are you really worried about here? Why even talk about this? Yeah, I I love that you went right for the self-reflection, just starting with that self-awareness as a foundation. Fantastic. My first question is, what have you learned about what's in the way of this person being more naturally able to be detail-oriented? So what have you learned already about what's going on, what's making that difficult? 
the leader says in their question, I feel like I've addressed it so many times and they try to do better. And addressing it can mean a lot of different things. So I think especially I've seen leaders, you know, maybe they say something and they try to have a conversation about it the first time. But then from there, they tend to either get more short or more strong in the delivery and less learning. Like we want to be learning every single time. What is making this challenging? I'm pulling from the inspiring accountability, clear results model. What, you know, what's in the way, given what's in the way, what's possible? Because only when we understand that can we create a realistic path forward. So what have you learned about what's in the way of this person more naturally being detail-oriented? That was my first question. I love this because it matches really well to my second question. Yes. Which is, if you're not, if you're addressing this and you're not seeing a change, how clear are you on the roadblocks that they're facing? And I feel like this is so synergistic. And you're right. My method is self-awareness, right? Like what is happening? Okay, what what is my role? And then being curious and seeing what's in the way for this other person. I think as people sometimes we're really quick to judge that they're not listening to us or they don't care to change, but we don't take a lot of time to actually explore what could be in the way. And people who are on our teams or reporting to us or even peers sometimes don't want to be open and honest about the things that are in the way. And sometimes they don't even know that there is something. Yes, 100%. What I see with Inspiring Accountability is that these questions prompt people in a way that they haven't thought about because our brains make up meaning, we fill in the gaps. We are always making sense of what's going on and we will fill it all in with whatever comes to mind. But within that is skipping over, actually prompting ourselves to think about something new. So I think when you ask a question like that, your approach, my approach, it might be the first time that they've broken through the stories and the meaning they've made up themselves and are able to now think in a new way and in a collaborative way because you're prompting. So I, every question is an opportunity to prompt the brain to think in a new way. Sounds like we're quite aligned in that. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, my second question is, what has this person already tried? So I noticed, you know, they did use that word and they try to do better. My perspective is the only thing that someone can really try is a new predetermined strategy. Like we can't try to remember to do better. That's not how the brain works. The brain is programmed. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, unless a new strategy, new neural connections have been made by thinking through a realistic new way forward. So if we want a new and different result, we need new and different thinking, behavior, skill building. New input will lead to new output. So what has this person already tried? And I think that if this is creating a trust issue now, which we know can erode any healthy leader and employee relationship, then hopefully they're bringing some more consistent attention to this. Through my lens, it would be, let's work on this until it's better. Let's check in every week to see how it's going until it's better. That will help the brain get on board. But in the end, if you're able to start to list in a supportive way, okay, here's what you tried, right? Let's check it off. Oh, we tried this. That wasn't good. Then let's use that as a prompt to be like, okay, what else can we try? Let's start to put that in writing so it doesn't feel so elusive. I resonate so much with what you're saying. And when you say it in these terms, there's such a positive spin on curiosity. And I think that in situations like this as leaders, 
it can be very easy to get frustrated and to think, this person's trying all these things. It's not working. What's wrong with them, right? Or what's wrong with me? Or there's this negative spiral you get into. And what you just said, you made it a game, right? Mm. What have you tried? Yes. Great. Okay. Didn't work. Now we know something new, right? Curiosity is about exploration. Exploration is fun. Yes, it is a serious topic and it does have impact to your work in the business. But at the end of the day, you don't have to treat it like it's this really awful, heavy thing. It can be an explorer of what works better for you. And when you discover those things, those are things you can take into various different places in your work life, right? Or even your personal life. Oh, I now know this more about myself and how I work and how I implement new behaviors. It becomes easier next time. Yes, absolutely. I love the the highlight to, yes, curiosity, but also there can be a lightness I train a lot on moving from confrontation or seeing accountability as confrontation to conversation. And one of the distinctions that's made there is a conversation is a talk, especially an informal one, between two people to exchange ideas. So coming back to that concept of it, it might be a serious issue that absolutely has to be worked through, but you can still approach it with that full humanity, a little bit of fun. And kind of holding in your mind, hey, we're going to keep trying things until we find the right thing that fits. Yeah. People want to be in conversation. I love what you said where it's this dialogue back and forth. And that's sometimes what people miss in these places that are feeling more like confrontation is I need to go in and tell this person that they are not doing the job I need them to do. And we've worked on this and they're still not doing it. But the truth is, conversation comes when you ask questions and get curious. To move from telling somebody something to being in dialogue is opening up space for them to converse as well. And questions are a great way to do that. Yes, just going deeper into our curiosity with our last question. So what was your third and final question? My last question is, how can you both honor and leverage their already great work on building relationships and having this big picture strategic thinking while you're working to develop this other skill. And it's twofold in this. Honor is acknowledge. So you're not just working on developing an area of opportunity. You're also working hard to acknowledge what they're already good at. And the second piece is leveraging their strengths. I'm a really big proponent of strengths-based development. If you were amazing at one sport and not great at another sport, you're not going to try to get better at the sport you're not great at, right? You're going to go be a professional player of the one you are. So I think there's such an opportunity to do this more at work with our people, which is to lean into places they're already strong. So not overlooking, okay, what are they already great at and how can I leverage that to help them develop in a different area? Okay, so really looking at where are their strengths? And can you read that question again? To simplify, the question really is, how can you leverage what they're already good at, which is their relationship building and their strategic vision to develop this area? Okay, yeah. That takes that attention and that care to go deeper with that employee, to look for those areas and help them create that bridge. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a perfect example of without that question, whether you're prompting yourself as a leader or you're using it to prompt your employee, 
we will probably not think of that. We're not going to naturally be looking to expand beyond that box without that prompt. So great question. My third question is moving more toward the weaknesses. Are you open to investing in other resources to cover this area if this person will never be able to meet expectations? Would that be worth it? And when I say if they're never able to meet the expectations, that includes that they may be able to make some progress. So it's not saying they're literally doing nothing, nothing will ever help, but I'm all about trust gets built when an employee meets a leader's expectations satisfactorily. And that satisfaction is up to the leader. To me, that's when this person is doing this in a way that it's building trust versus eroding trust. So are you open to investing in other resources to cover this area? We're not all great at all things, right? There's left brain, there's right brain. We have different strengths, as you mentioned. And I think most jobs want someone who's detail-oriented. But to have the type of skills to be uh, strategic thinking, big picture thinking, and to develop relationships, those are really different, let's say, skills, personalities, who might be drawn to that role because of their own just programming and nature and strengths. There's only so much, I think that's what you're saying, there's only so much we can develop our weaknesses. Yeah. And so is it worth the investment to keep hounding them on this one thing when I personally am not convinced that all brains are able to carry all of those skills at once? So, hey, if we look at, well, what's in the way is this is this is something we've been working on. It seems like it's just never going to be enough of a natural strength to tap into that. Well, is that is that at this point an AI proofreader? And the expectation is not that they're perfect in their own proofreading, but they're using better resources to, you know, check it before they submit it. That's one strategy. Or if it's including someone, if there's maybe some support staff where that is a better strength that they team up, it shouldn't be going, I would say, in this case, to the leader if it hasn't gone through some process. But maybe expecting this one person as themselves to complete the process, it's going to be more stress than it's worth. So are you open to investing in other resources? Would it be worth it? Yeah. Well, and I love what you're saying on a micro view, what tools can you invest in, employ, whatever, to get this person where they need to be. On a macro view, this is where I think is important for a leader to think about, do I have the right people with the right skills in the right place? Mm -hmm. And again, positive side versus negative side, you could look at that and say, this person isn't fit for the job, they got to go, right? But actually, I think a healthier way to look at it as a team lead, right, or a team builder, especially as you become more senior, is really making sure you're putting people in the right positions based on their strengths. And if that person doesn't have a strength in this one place, they might be a fantastic contributor in another place. It doesn't mean that they're not maybe right for the company or right for the team. But to really think about if I can't develop in in the way that I need, if I don't have the resources to have a tool to get them there, is there some shift that I might need to think about in terms of where they might sit best? Yes. And I, I want to double down on the other side of that coin. Now that I think about it, if this role requires both strategic thinking, both relationship building and a certain level of detail-orientedness, then maybe it's not even right person, wrong person in a role. But let's look at 
are these roles set up to work with how humans are built? And there's a lot of research around, you know, right brain, left brain and those skill sets. So if you have a position you've created because it's convenient, right? Maybe this is a smaller organization and, you know, everybody's wearing multiple hats, but we may never be great at all of those different skills. So maybe it's looking at, are they in the right role? But is this role realistic? Is this role something that anyone could cover and be that successful in? Yes. I we did that. some bonus questions. I yes. love bonus questions. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'd say we got very curious there. So again, those you know the questions that you ask your employees are the questions you teach them to ask themselves. This is all part of our development of we're all so patterned. Uh, we're just running these programs like a computer and it's questions that are going to interrupt that. So the more we're practicing, prompting ourselves in new ways, the more creative and new thinking and new solutions that we can find. Okay, well, those were some great questions. Jen, love the conversation there. It sounds like there's a couple themes we could dig a little bit deeper on to support this issue. So I know you were saying curiosity. I know that it's an area of passion for you. So I'm wondering your approach. I think you have your own version of curiosity, what you like to encourage leaders to do. Do you want to share a little bit about the role of curiosity in being a leader that is a strong coach? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about curiosity and approaching any type of situation, Something that I found helpful for myself is to think about uh, the ABCs. And you must assess, right? Assess the situation. B is be compassionately curious. And C is collaborate. And when I sort of approach any type of situation or I'm helping guide somebody through a situation, the assessment part is helpful because you want to be able to step back objectively and think about what is actually happening, right? What have you tried? What is working? What is not working? Have you communicated clearly? Have you given them a clear understanding of your expectations? Have you communicated the context and the importance and the impact on them developing in this area? Really objectively stepping back to assess the situation in a way that's, if you can, emotion-free. So many great components there, Jen, that you shared, especially around what does it mean to share a clear expectation? And I have a whole chapter on setting a clear expectation in the Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace book. I've always thought it was overkill, but I've also gotten a lot of feedback in workshops. One example, I had a workshop participant say in self-reflection at one point, you know, I've always thought I was pretty clear, but I actually think I wasn't as clear as I could have been. So taking that moment to reflect, where could I have been more clear? How could I have added that context is a great place to start because it's hard for employees to meet your expectations if it takes too long to get clear on what is really intended there. You also used an interesting term in your ABCs, compassionate curiosity. Could you share a little bit more about what that means? Yes, I'm happy to. I think that we can often, when we're just being curious, ask a series of sequential questions that sounds like you're hounding or interviewing someone. And they are often backed with our own emotions and judgment. And I have found for myself and in working with clients, there's an element, if you can be compassionately curious, where it opens up something very different. So when I think about compassionate curiosity, the first thing I think about is 
who am I most compassionate towards? My mind goes to a child, a friend, right? A really close friend, maybe a family member, somebody that I would be genuinely curious as to what challenges they're facing or what is in their way or what are they struggling with in terms of growing and developing. And I think there's an element here when you can soften your emotion and your judgment, you open up the space for something you might not have expected and you open up vulnerability, you build trust. There's a number of things that come along with this idea of being compassionate And so when I think about curiosity, I think about compassionate curiosity because it's not just drilling people with questions. It's about really trying to understand where they are coming from, how they see it, and what it's like from their perspective. So can you just walk me through just a quick example is you have a leader coming to you and they're potentially throwing out those Um, I I call them confused questions. They're those rhetorical statements where people are just like, I just don't understand what they're thinking. Like, what are they thinking? Right. Okay. So they're coming to you. How would you be coaching or encouraging them to get into a compassionate curiosity mindset? Yes. So the first thing I would say is breathe. (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of my least favorite things when someone tells me to do that. But I think with the right coaching relationship, it really works. Yes. And it is astounding what taking just one or two breaths can help us calm. Again, what's happening is our anxiety and our judgment is starting to rise. And to take a minute to say, okay, it doesn't matter what's come before, right? It's about the here and now. So let me just get in as good a space as I can to be open. So sometimes, for example, I will encourage people to think about if this were your child, how would you ask this question? What would you be curious about? So that's the prompt, right? Can you say that again? Yes. Imagine this were your child. What question would you have of them to better understand what's happening? Uh, great. Yeah, that's that's the prompt that creates the new thinking, right? That's mm-hmm. the magic. Yeah. Exactly. And insert anyone, right? Anyone that's close to you, your best friend, your partner, your grandmother, right? Anyone that you have a great relationship with that you would be genuinely curious as to what they're seeing from their perspective. Okay. Yeah. We have to find ways to make it easier for ourselves. So many leaders are not having a constant support they can go to for their own mindset coaching. And that's part of becoming a great leader is getting a an encyclopedia of your own prompts to help you when you're not in the right space, right? So whether that's taking a breath or it's finding your own reframes to get into that right mindset that you can approach this person to support them being receptive to your feedback. So I, I think that's a fantastic prompt. And I'm loving that compassionate curiosity. I recognize that everyone is at different parts of their journey and how they are able to tap into what they feel versus what they think, et cetera. Inspiring accountability was created to meet people without having to go there, although I definitely support it. So the way that I kind of tackle that without the emotion, I'm not saying that's better or not. I just want everyone to have options that feel approachable in that moment is the reframe that excuses are reasons. Excuses are valid reasons. Part of the reason that we use what's in the way and give them what's in the way, what's possible, what's in the way is real for them. It is a real barrier. So even if what they tell you 
you know, there's a lot of this like, no excuse it's just do it. I'm like, okay, that's not realistic. Like, how is that working? <laughs> that's just <laughs> creating stress. That's not creating realistic how strategy to move forward. So if you want to be adding that in, and I think that that's where your example of thinking about, you know, a kid or a child, what I love about that is they have so much endless learning. I mean, we all do, spoiler alert, right? But they have endless learning ahead of them. And it's so easy to see a child as, wow, they just haven't learned this yet. How can I help them learn this? And that doesn't change. So if you're not getting the results from an adult, they also need that curiosity and that learning. If they're doing something and they're not, it's not in alignment with the expectation, it means somewhere in there, there's a learning that needs to happen. In that way, we're all just trying to learn what we need to to feel successful. We all deserve to feel that win and feel the the benefits of success. So uh, absolutely love that. And then your third, your number three on your C's was colla- was it collaboration? Yes, was it collaborate. That was um, a big theme on the previous episode, and I imagine will continue. So you want to share a little bit about just how you coach and encourage leaders to use collaboration. Yes. And this comes back a lot to what you were saying around conversation, not making it a one-sided street. So really thinking about how once you've identified, you know, what's working, what's not, where are you, what questions do you have to ask, what roadblocks are in the way, I think it's really important to work with that team member to collaborate on the next steps forward. So do you put together a development plan? Do you put together your checklist of the next things you want to try and cross it off? Nope, that didn't work. Okay, great. What's next? But creating this collaborative partnership, one, helps them feel like you are their partner, right? Not their adversary. You're creating trust and reinforcing the fact that you want to help them. And they feel a sense of ownership and accountability as they move towards meeting that because they've been able to say, no, that's not going to work for me. I know that works for some people. I've tried it. It doesn't. But here's what might work for me because it's actually not about what works for you. It's about what will work for them. Yes. A big complaint I hear from leaders is I feel like I have to kind of solve it all or, or this kind of learned helplessness, I, I would say, that an employee can come is they're not having the critical thinking skills. And I get really curious when I hear that because to me, it also means that the environment that's been created in that dynamic and that relationship between leader and employee has fostered that or at a minimum has allowed that to continue. So if you are out there listening and you feel like, my employee seems to always come to me and they're not thinking for themselves that this is a great place to start and realize, ah, there's something I am either bringing to stabilizing this, like I'm stabilizing this dynamic or at a minimum, I'm allowing it. And that here are some ways you can get out of it. So ask yourself, how could I approach this more collaboratively? And that means you're going to have to use your questions and prompt them with new ways to think about things if you don't always want to do it. The inspiring accountability approach on this is actually leaving it for the employee to think about first. So we're being kind by offering the prompt. And so in this case, we've heard the excuses, which I do refer to as roadblocks. And you want to know what roadblocks and what detours are ahead before you head out on the journey. That's how you become more efficient, right? We want to unearth, hey, what could possibly get in the way? what's making that challenging or difficult. Once that's unearthed, then we can say, given those challenges, given those perceived barriers, 
what can we do to still get to the desired result? There's a difference between someone does not have the skill and someone just hasn't thought about it strategically before. At least give them the opportunity to think strategically with a new prompt from you. What could they do differently and help them develop that thinking? Yeah. Well, that is our time today, Jen. I really appreciate you sharing your insight. And we had a couple buried challenges in there. So we could we could leave it at that. But did you have any closing challenge that you wanted to add? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to collaborate again. I would just say the biggest challenge I have is to just think about how you can be more curious. Where can you ask more questions? Where can you be more open? Okay, great. I actually think I'll just add to yours. We didn't get to talk too much about how you structure great questions. So I'll let my challenge be before you go in to providing advice or problem solving for an employee that maybe doesn't have those critical thinking skills online. Think about one question that starts with what or how that you can ask first to prompt them and teach them through coaching some greater strategic thinking skills, critical thinking skills. Okay, that is a wrap for our episode today. Jen, thank you so much. We certainly hope to have you back really soon. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Jen, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your thoughts. You can connect with Jen at luma-collective.com or check out the links in the show notes. You can find out more about me, Elena Noel, check out the book and other workshops and services at inspiringaccountability.com. Disagree or want to add a perspective? Jump on It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast.com and share your thoughts on the episode. If you enjoyed and got value today, please take a moment to rate this podcast and, of course, share, like, and follow so you're up to date on the next episode and we can help this podcast grow and reach more leaders. Together, let's work with what makes us human and make work and the world a better place. We'll see you next time. <laughs>